fascinating. Your idea of nature is a wild, girly show, I think. Oh, hold still, please, huh? Yeah, that's it. Oh, uh, put your hands down. Miss, I must say you've got a beautiful profile. You're one girl that doesn't have anything to hide. Thanks for the information, sir. You'd better stop. Mm, all right. Huh? You don't know what you're missing. What? To have me photograph most girls are willing to do anything. Oh, yeah? Not me. I suppose you've come across Hoppers Bazaar, Vogue, Elle. Mm -hmm. So what? Now, they're fashion magazines, the biggest in the world, and I work for them. And you think I can model for fashions in Vogue? Yeah, pretty sure. Really? Yeah, we better have a look. Yeah. Let's see. Well, first of all, you're going to have to lose a bit of that tummy, baby. Huh? Hey, hey listen, there's a place I want to take you. Come on. What kind of place? A sauna. Just what you need. Healthy. And besides, I'll help you take those inches off. <laughs> hey, move that little thing, <laughs> What are you doing? My dear, just getting rid of these silly encumbrances. They're no use at all. In fact, they do more harm than good. You've got to give the skin a hair. Let the pores breathe. See what I mean? Prepare pores. Are you crazy? Oh, come on, What really? if someone should what come in? Well, this could be the beginning of uh, If you knew how many of the great names of fashion modeling began, just like you're doing now. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. There we are. Now lie down. How do you want me to be? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Whichever way it is will be beautiful. I can't stand any more meetings. Honestly, I can't. Why are you treating me this way? Don't you? 
Are you crazy? Oh, what was that for? You're a cheap whore. Why am I a whore? Do you mind telling me? Come on, you freaked out. What did I do? What's going on with you and Carla, huh? How long have you known her? You've been banging him. Yeah, we're big buddies. He promised to find me work. Obviously with you. I see. And you're just buddies, is that it? Well, young lady, if you see Carla one more time, you've had it. That's none of your business. Do you think you own me or what? I want to be a fashion model, not a kept woman or a slave. Don't worry, I'm on the pill, honey. Oh, how nice. It's better not to run any risks, though. That's my girl. Hey, where do you think you're... Just a minute, you'll see. No! Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. Hello, enthusiasts. Hello, oh. assassins and murderers. <laughs> We've got a couple of those, too, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Was that better this week than my normal hello? Yeah, do the triple, triple I, hello. I felt like it was a little I Love Lucy. Like, I felt like I was <laughs> selling vitamin to Vegemin. Yeah. But, um, hello, friends. Do you poop out at parties are you unpopular yeah that wasn't very awesome i shouldn't do that um <clears throat> but anyway so how are you doing let's act like we haven't been talking for a half hour how's it going oh you're talking to me Not yeah visible friends over there no. okay. well everything's good it's a nice balmy negative 12 degrees here in uh, minneapolis minnesota oh. so that sucks got some hot cocoa some a nice fire in the fireplace next to me and ready actually i don't have any of those things but i'm ready to do the show okay yeah it's a it's a balmy 68 degrees here Ooh. in um uh, north hollywood it's like swimsuit weather yeah <laughs> 
And um, I'm two next to a fireplace on a bearskin rug. Um, having some fun. So um, it sounds like you're having fun. There's sirens in the background. <laughs> I was everything. just gonna say. <laughs> I was like, God, I hope they don't fucking hear that. Yeah, it's you know, what day is this? Monday. Yeah, there's sirens. You know, I'm sure there was okay. a football game or something. Um, so yeah, everybody, get out your um, J and B and let's talk some Jala. Oh yeah, that's what I'm oh, talking. Man, it sounds pretty wet there today. Well, in my cup. Yeah. And in my pants. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <clears throat> Wait a second. Well, no. Um, it definitely will be because um, we're going to be talking about one of the coolest movies that ever happened in forever. Um, the never-ending strip, story. Strip nude for your killer. Oh, yes. There is about as much hair on that dog flying thing as there is in the girl's panties in this movie. Not to mention that's basically the first shot of the movie. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought I was so, staring into some abstract art at first. Oh my gosh. Any movie that starts off from that angle with some feet and stirrups, you know you're in for a treat. That's right. I love abortions. <sighs> Well, that's not exactly what I was talking about. We, oh. It could have just been any kind of pap smear, you know? You don't need right. to just go ahead and go straight for the salt water, you know? It, it could be anything, you know? That's true. But, um, a completely legitimate medical procedure. Or pornography. But then you yeah. know what happens, and so it's not fun anymore. <laughs> but if What's there's going on with you? Who could make abortion sexy, it's this guy. Not me, but the okay. I am ready to make amazing things happen. I'm waiting for my peppermint mocha to kick in, and I'm assuming that peppermint mochas and scotch do not go good together. So I'm trying to separate them. Well, you're Before probably the, the first person to stuff. experiment with those two, right? Right? I kind of think I am. Yeah. Starting so. a trend. Yeah, um, things have been going good. Um, the holidays went well. The books and everything did really good over the holidays. And I'm going to the Kyoto Brothers studio tomorrow to be fitted for a killer clown costume for an episode of Hell's Kitty with Michael Berryman and Adrian Barbeau. Boy, that was all sorts of plugs. I did pretty good right there. Not too bad. Not too, you're getting the hang of it. Yeah. Sounds like you've got a pretty action-packed New Year's Eve set up for yourself. Um, well, I'm just actually making sure that my fat ass fits in the costume. And then um, on Saturday... But you're going to keep it on, right? Through Saturday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just the rest of the week. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how are you doing? Well, just, uh, just hanging in there, wearing my white turtleneck and flat front khaki pants. Drinking J and B right now, and uh, keeping busy. It's a busy time of year, of course, personally and professionally. And by professionally, I mean the uh, not-for-profit podcasting that I do. But it's uh, <laughs> it's it's been a lot of fun ramping it up here. I'm actually, taking a break on my 100 Years of Horror show right now, so I can really sit here and focus on stripping nude for my killer. Oh, were you supposed to do 100 Years of Horror tonight? No, well, that they usually come out Monday nights, but yeah. 
taking oh. a little little bit of a snooze right now, getting the letting the engine warm up a little bit more again. And Lester needs to rest his lungs. He's had a lot to say the last couple of weeks. And I pretty much had you at pubic hair, so <laughs> That's right. we're good to go. Um, okay, you know what's funny, guys? Uh, and when I, I mean guys, I don't necessarily mean Eric. I'm talking to you, the, the listeners right now. Um, we had a conversation via Facebook earlier today where um, I'm like, you know what? Um, would you like it if we had more of a format on the show and da 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 And so we, ha- we had this little talk and talked about how everything was going to go. And somehow or another, <laughs> that's how it went. <laughs> well, I just figured it was probably going to cause more work on your, your end, and you already do enough work on your show. Well, I, I'm never one to turn down work on my end, but... Um, <laughs> But you know how it goes. Um, I just, for some reason, I'm having the hardest time trying to figure this out. Um, so I guess that was the intro. Well, uh, yeah, we'll cap that off as introductions, um, recaps of our exciting, invigorating weeks. Oh, yeah. The last two weeks. Um, but I think before we actually go into our movie, we do have some exciting interesting things to share with our listeners exciting and interesting things is exactly correct okay good i I hope i wasn't using the wrong adjectives no those were perfectly amazing (laughs) okay now i think that's a little overboard (laughs) so do you want to um tell them what this perfectly amazing awesomeness is well, sure. I guess because the last few episodes that we've done, I've sort of messed up this news, thinking it was something that it wasn't. But I finally got it nailed down now, I think, and there's uh, some interesting, exciting things to share about it. It's called The Book. and You mean my book? Well, not your book, not the books that you sold well over the Christmas holiday. Uh, not my book, which I have yet to write for the last seven years. And uh, this one is just the uh, generically titled The Book, but it is an Italian giallo-themed uh, anthology film that's currently going through the, uh, the I don't know, what would you call it? The, uh, the fundraising stage. Fundraising. Yeah. Just putting some feelers out there. Securing trying to figure out... talent. Right. Yeah. And, um, and just, just gauging interest, basically, on, on whether this project is something people want to see. So uh, we got a little bit more info about it by actually oh, yeah. grabbing someone who's working directly with the film and the people that are the, uh, I mean, we could just name drop some of the guys right now if you want, but. Um, we have an interview with Colin McCracken, who right. um, is working on the book, and um, he gave us um, a fun, insightful little interview sure did he talked about how it uh, he mainly talked about how this project is probably gonna for the most part go forward whether they reach their goal or not in the next 24 days i believe they have left on it now um and they just want to kind of see what people want to what kind of what people want to see out of this film and and try to raise a few funds so that they can grab some of the uh, popular names from giallo history but they do have some pretty cool directors attached uh lumberto bava and uh 
Alberto De, uh, De Martino, Sergio Martino, and I know you're you're pretty high on Aldo Lado right now. Yep. So and some some Diodato coffee with cream, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they've even got two forms of Goblin doing the soundtrack. The, uh, the originally titled Goblin and Claudio Simonetti's, uh, I guess, break-off, spin-off group, aptly titled Claudio Simonetti's Goblin to, yes. do, the, to do the music. So um, we... This is just like a, a action, not an action pack, but a star-studded um, group. And um, he, he uh, Colin did an amazing job letting us know a ton of stuff and gave us some teasers that are kind of exclusives to our show i think i think so yeah i think he said we were the uh the first show or podcast that were that uh, had someone from the book on so that's pretty exciting Mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean i guess we could play that now right yeah, I guess we could keep blathering on about it, or we could let Colin give out the gory details. No, what so. we should do, we should say everything that the interview has in it, and then play <laughs> the interview. <laughs> I think that's how people do it out there, right? Oh, hell yeah. That's, that's the way to, it's the way to, to skin things. the cat. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just want everyone to know, for the record, I understand there is no jungles in Realm I just wanted to know if people were going to be eating people. That's it. So there's a little that's, the only, that's the only deal there. That was the only part of my question. Okay. So um, we will go ahead and play this interview for you now. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, super hey. good. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for asking me to come on, guys. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to get to speak with you and to sort of speak a little bit about the project itself, because this is uh, actually the first spoken interview that we've done. So this is all good. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're super geeked about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Man. Excellent, man. Excellent. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's very early stages. And so I guess the easiest way to start would be to explain a little bit about the guys that are putting this together. Totally. About the production company, if that's all good with you. Very good, yeah. Okay, well, uh, the film's being put together by a company called Harbinger International, and they were the guys behind, I don't know if you heard of a movie called The Profane Exhibit. Yeah, we were just talking about that, actually. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, the reason that the book came to be, and the reason that it developed, was really out of The Profane Exhibit. And it stemmed from a conversation between Sergio Stivaletti and David Bond, who was one of the producers. And it was at the Horror Hound weekend earlier this year in Cincinnati. And they were sort of sitting up late one night and they were talking about all of these different Italian movie projects that never really got off the ground. And they were also talking about, you know, why Italian cinema, especially Italian genre cinema, just kind of disappeared in a way. Yeah. You know, there was, there, was, there was no real grandiose exit. It just kind of, you know, ceased to exist. Yeah. And from that, they just started speaking with a couple of the directors. Um, you know, Riccardo Dato, for example, he had worked on Profane. Uh, he uh, submitted one of the shorts, one called Bridge, which is really, really good. And so, you know, Diodato spoke to uh, David Bond and Stivaletti, and he was interested. 
and it just kind of grew from there. And then, you know, all these people started appearing like, um, you know, Antonio uh, Bido and Sergio Martino and um, Enzo G. Castellari. And it, it just really grew and grew and grew. So that's uh, that's how we kind of got to where we are today. There was a meeting about five months ago. And that's when everybody sat down and had a dinner and uh, sort of spoke about their ideas. And that's where they shot the teaser trailer that's up on yeah. the Indiegogo page at the moment. But um, yes, that's that's really how everything got started. So um, I'm wondering if there's anything that you guys would like to know from your end about it all. Well, what what's your um, role in the whole thing? My role in the minute is I'm sort of doing a whole load of stuff with uh, Harbinger. So uh, I'm kind of taking care of everything. I'm running the social media and just liaising with people and stuff like that. So at the moment, it's forever changing. Nice. <laughs> so we'll have to wait till uh, to, till D-Day to see what the, the actual defined role is. Yeah. Now, as far as the, the book itself, um, you were saying that you guys came up with it from coming up with movies that never got off the ground. Is this kind of like a anthology of those films or is this something that's completely new for each guy well that was kind of more of a the genesis of an idea so what's going into the book itself aren't so much um failed projects or films that didn't get made but that's what spurned the idea itself so what happened was each director came up with an idea of a story that they would like to tell about rome because yeah. that's really the the central focus it's about rome as a as a hidden city it's about rome as you know a city of secrets a city of you know generations of ghosts and all of this wonderful stuff and so each director wants to take their own spin on you know their own representation of a sort of mysterious side of rome a ghostly side of rome and possibly a deadly side of rome as well now, with all of those different guys and all the different genres that they've touched and everything, is there going to be any other things that are tying everything together besides it just being in Rome? Okay, well, there there is going to be a wraparound. Um, this is one of the things that carried over from Profane as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of anthologies out there, uh, especially in the last couple of years, but... You know, I think one of the things that has let a lot of them down has been the wraparound. Yeah. And that's something that I know all of the writers are really focusing on for this, that they really want to create a very, very strong wraparound to tie it all together. So without giving too much away for the book, you're going to see maybe um, maybe a kind of Tales from the Crypt type spin on things where you are going to have somebody who's <clears throat> tying all these stories together and contextualizing them. And there is going to be a... An, intrinsic narrative within that wraparound as well and the other thing too like it, it has 12 um stories in it correct is that mm -hmm. that's yeah. a lot for an anthology like is this going to be like are you guys looking at like a two-hour film or is this something that could go on much bigger than just one film all I can say at the moment is that we're aiming pretty big with this. You know, you're not going to get cheated on anybody's segment, put it that way. Nice. <laughs> you're doing, you're <laughs> yeah. doing really good, not, not blowing anything and like trying to keep it chill. So you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a few things I have to sort of walk on shells <clears throat> with, but, um, you know, I, I'm too much away by saying that, you know, nobody's going to be 
disappointed with the the length or running time of anybody's segment. You know, nobody's going to go in and go, hey, what, what, what the hell? Do you have a segment that was 60 seconds long or anything like that? You know, it's going <laughs> everybody's going to get uh, a very set vision from each director within this piece. Cool. And I, I'm trying really hard to be able to get those questions good. Um, okay. Um, now, as far as um, the fundraising eric did you have any questions that you wanted to hit up about the actual movie itself before i turn the wheel here <laughs> well actually no not about, not i think you covered everything i was going to ask about the film itself and the uh everyone that's sort of tied to it right now but yeah i wanted to kind of go into the fundraising aspect of it and um the route you guys are going with the book going through the indiegogo campaign is that something mm -hmm. that was decided upon early on or is that something that you kind of saw success with other projects and you wanted to utilize it? I don't know if that was so much, you know, trying to emulate or trying to follow in the footsteps of anyone else. I mean, we thought this would be the best initial way to really gauge interest because I know a lot of people talk about, you know, certain facets of Italian horror, but it's hard to know how deep those levels of, admiration or those levels of interest lie so by setting up the initial indiegogo campaign what we're really doing is presenting the project to the international film and genre audience and saying okay here's what we're putting together if you're interested we've got a big pile of cool shit that we're gonna <laughs> you know offer if you want to get involved you know like if you want to an old signed vhs from one of these guys you know we, we've got those we've got like original posters to give away for like cannibal ferox and cannibal holocausts and stuff like that that's not stuff that comes up very often so we kind of thought that that would be a nice way to start things off and i mean you know you guys make films yourselves as well so i'm sure you know that you know it's it's a long process trying to gather interest and trying to prove that there's a market for what you do and that's really where we were coming from with the indiegogo one to get our message across two offer something to the fans out there that they might not be able to get in the future and three just to to get the ball rolling to, to quite literally kickstart everything now um with that said have you guys had any um backlash from the people who don't like established people trying to crowdfund well you know i can't say that we've had any backlash you know, and I don't know. I think people's perception of established might be somewhat askew uh, to a certain degree there. I mean, one I thing agree I would... with you a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look at look at. The... OK, uh, case in point. Right. I, I was doing an interview last week with uh, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma. Now, everybody in the world knows who Troma are. Yeah. But are, are Troma a multimillion dollar business? No, they are not. You know, because I think what happens is a lot of people um get a little bit misled and this is the sleight of hand of the internet at work here they think that just because they know a name or that they're familiar with a name that that person is living in a mansion and driving a porsche exactly you know? and uh you know i'm okay take it take a name like uh castellari okay um <laughs> you think we were just you... talking about that awesome so like how big do you think those bronx warriors royalties are you know in all honesty <laughs> Oh my gosh. And that's that's like that's a that's a big part of this, you know. So so just because you've heard of somebody doesn't mean that that somebody or that that person is, you know, just 
sort of Scrooge McDucking it up in their mansion, you know, swimming <laughs> through piles of gold coins, you know, it's which it's, is it's impossible to do, by the way. Have you, uh, oh, man, have you tried? It, it, change is not something you can dive into. I just want everyone <laughs> to know. Oh, man. Yeah, so you're definitely tugging on Creep's heartstrings right now. Dude. <laughs> oh, Because I've, I've been digging at the backyard for a while, and I was, I was, that was my summer set, but I just ruined that plan. Uh, <laughs> I do that. I'm the ruiner. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, another thing, too, I wanted to ask you about. Um, on the press release that went out and on the Facebook page, um, you're hinting at there being a lot more people involved that are going to be announced. Is there anybody who's not on any of the sites or anything like that that you can announce right now? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, not as of yet. And I really wanted to have something sort of special to, to give away this evening. But as it stands, I can't give you that today, unfortunately. I mean, and yeah, there's there's like a ton of people in the works because we've only announced two cast members. You know, I mean, if you if you sort of sit and think about that, there's there's 12 films and a wraparound. Yeah. And there's only actually two confirmed cast members online. And um, this is where we're kind of sort of dangling the carrot for the fans, really, because we're intending to announce more people uh, when we hit those sort of funding milestones. Oh, and, um, you know, things were a little slow coming up to Christmas and stuff, and we totally expected that because yeah. it's the holiday season and people don't generally have the spare cash to go spending on sort of horror paraphernalia. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the sort of next five, six weeks go. Yeah, I was going to mention you've got about T minus 27 days left on just the uh, initial fundraising. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, like you said, it's coming up around the holidays. But unlike a lot of Indiegogo campaigns I've seen out there, you do, like you mentioned, have a lot of interesting perks out there, especially for horror fans. Uh, you can get the uh, like a signed clamshell um, VHS or... I'm not sure if it was that signed, but you can get a signed, different signed DVDs or stuff from the uh, these directors' back backlogs or uh, filmographies. Yeah, and, and that really and, stemmed yeah. from all of us sitting down and going, okay, what would we like to have? Yes. You know, and one of the first things was, well, we all want a signed original Cannibal Holocaust poster <laughs> on our wall. You know, who doesn't? And um, we're like, okay, well, what else would we like? And, you know, I sort of... Well, I mean, the masks and the tour, all that stuff is crazy. The mask is beautiful, man. Like, I know there's a couple of companies doing sort of cheap versions of this, but this is this is like forged by Sergio Stivaletti, you know, in his studio in Rome. It's like from the original Demon's Mold and everything. This is it's beautiful. So, yeah, there's there's a couple of those up for grabs and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, from our perspective, we've hopefully offered up exactly what fans of giallo and fans of italian horror would like i mean you know i think the tim lucas book is up there and there's a few other bits and pieces too so you know like i said that's things were you know quite slow coming up to christmas but that's that's the holidays that's the way things roll and i mean it's not like if we get to the end of the 27 or 28 days and we haven't reached the goal it's like okay everybody go home that was a nice idea we tried you know this is is ahead either way um it just may have to take an, an alternate route for a month or two but that's that's the nature of it really um one of the and i think oh. go ahead hit it yeah i was just gonna say i think that uh, the fact that you have these perks along with that uh, anyone who donates a uh, even the smallest amount of money they can get their name attached to this film 
So that's a lot more than mm-hmm. you'd get, you know, dishing out $40 for a signed 8x10 at some Comic-Con, a quick handshake and a pat on the butt, and you're out of there. This is like, this is something yeah. that you're attached to. Well, this is this is another point, and you've raised something really interesting there. I mean, we want to get these guys and prove to the genre world why they're important directors. You know, we, we want to be able to to sort of challenge them a little bit. You know, no one's going to get an easy paycheck on this. Nobody's sort of just being brought in for the basis of their name alone. Like, all of these filmmakers are going to be issued a challenge in a creative and a filmmaking sense so that they can really, really showcase why we should care. You know? Because a lot of the guys have been working on TV for a while, a lot of the guys have been doing other projects and stuff like that. So, you know, we're bringing them back to the horror genre so that we can in a collaborative sense, show to the world why Italian horror cinema matters. You know, and this is coming from people who've been fans of the genre and people who've been admiring the genre for many, many years now. And it has disappeared. It has gone. You know, there's no real argument to be had there. And that's why we feel really passionately about trying to bring it back. And the reason we're trying to sort of do it through independent means is that so nobody can mess with it. You know, if we can give these guys complete creative freedom, then we'll know we've done the best we can for Italian genre. Let me ask, um, since you guys have been talking about this, and I'm sure that to be a fly on the wall at that dinner you guys had must have been freaking amazing. But (laughs) what, I, I mean, it's everyone saying like, for some reason, this just stopped. When you guys were all sitting around talking, did anyone like have any ideas is why that happened or anything like that like did anyone yeah it's um it's funny you mention that because there, there are and it's it's almost the same story i um sort of condensed uh, a lot of conversations with these guys into an article which is going to be coming out in uh, i don't know if you know diabolique magazine yeah yeah um well there's an article with an interview with a load of the directors uh that's going to be appearing in the next issue and that was one of the questions that was put to them it was like why did italian horror die you know where did it go who pulled the plug and it was a mixture of two or three things and one of the most common answers that i got was that the producers they just they they lost interest they stopped seeing the dollar signs in horror um, another answer was television because a lot of these films, a lot of these classic films that we know and love, they got sold off to Italian TV for peanuts, you know, and that's why you'll see a lot of them on late night Italian, you know, terrestrial TV stations. And the third was just that the money wasn't there because the producers weren't putting up the ideas or promoting any of the films. The films weren't getting made. The ideas were circulating, but they just weren't being picked up. Was it also because since these um, directors started getting big uh, worldwide attention that their price was going up and the producers didn't want to pay them? It's hard to say because, you know, how many of them really did make it that big? And how many of them made it that big in a really lucrative way? I mean, well, I don't okay, know they, how much, like, how big they made in a lucrative way, but it's one thing when you're making movies and no one's really talking to you, and then all of true. a sudden people from Fangoria are hitting you up to want to do oh, a yeah, spread exactly. about you. So, like, I don't know if it was, like, an ego thing or if it all just imploded. I don't know. I don't think it was an ego thing. Um, because, I mean, you know, one of the directors that I'm personally most excited to see in the film is Sergio Martino. Yep. 
because he made some of the greatest giallos of all time. I mean, oh, the yeah. strange place of Mrs. Ward, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Torso, for Torso. God's sake. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, were those films, did, did they really make it that big close to the time? Or was that a sort of retrospective um, adulation that they achieved? Well, you know, was when it, we was were it talking 15, 20, about it, yeah. yeah, we think VHS really made all these people the legends that they are now. Definitely. Definitely. But it's hard to know how much money was really generated from those VHS deals. Yeah. You know, I, I doubt the, it was. Yeah, I just think the lack of uh, innovation, it also hurt the American horror market in the 90s, too. Um, mm. The innovation went away, and America somehow survived, came back with their uh, their torture porn, I suppose. Some people label it as, but uh, yeah, the Italians, they just thought, let's go to television. That's where the money is for now. And Yeah. Didn't innovate I mean, the, the exact... As you said, the early 90s, the exact same thing happened in America. The horror industry fell in on itself just from the sheer weight of remakes and sequels nobody wanted to see. And then you had this really weird, interesting period in the early 90s when you had people or you had films like, um, you know, People Under the Stairs or Return of the Living Dead Part 3 and Candyman and all of these strange little horror movies that snuck through the net, as it were. But you know, the general focus really switched to sci-fi in the, the early to mid-90s. You know, people started getting into that a little more than horror. And it wasn't until the sort of postmodern revolution that was heralded by Wes Craven that American horror started to get back on its feet and then really exploded, as you said, with the, the onslaught of the sort of torture porn genre. But Italy never really had that regenerative boost. You know, it Honestly, with America, too, it was more that... Um all of the direct-to-DVD stuff really flooded the market and killed it. And I don't think... Like, I think if uh, Scream happened with no names in it, it would have been just another movie. But the fact that he got, like, real legitimate stars to be in a slasher movie, like, gave yeah. it legs to run around on. Of course. Of course. And then, you know, we, we had postmodern horror films for about four or five years till we were so sick of them. But, you know, it took Blair Witch to, to change things around again in terms of sort of mainstream horror. Yeah, Certainly. man. So, yeah, but sadly, um, Italy never got that. Italy never had that sort of second life, as it were. I mean, you know, if we think of actors on the list, you know, look at Antonio Bito. He, he, made, he only made a couple of really experimental, really interesting films and then disappeared. Um, Aldo Ledo as yeah. well. For I mean, sure. Short Night of the, of the Glass Dolls is a, a beautiful, beautiful film, but, you know, that very little came after that. Wow, man. So let's, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting just to see the different approaches that these guys take, you know? And I mean, we're forgetting, we haven't even mentioned people like um, Lamberto Bava, you know, yeah. to, see, to see what he's going to bring to the fore. Um, you've got Umberto Lenzi as well. There's, it's, no, the it's names just... on this are ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's it. Man. You've got Coetzee, who hasn't done uh, anything for ages. But, I mean, anyone who's seen Contamination or Star Crash will know that he's definitely someone to who knows how to have fun with a film. Yeah. Um, the know? other thing that uh, got me super excited about this was Goblin. And oh, yeah. how did that come about? Was that, were they, was he at the meeting? 
Which well, Maurizio um, from Goblin, he scored Sergio Stivaletti's segment in the Profane Exhibit. And that's how Goblin came to be involved, because obviously Maurizio's in Goblin. Yeah. And um, that's, that's really how that connection came about, because in Profane, although it's a very, very different film, um, a lot of the same constructs were aimed for you know, where you have this sort of thematic connection going through the pieces. And the one that's set in Rome, uh, which Stivaletti directed, you know, they knew they had to get that feel, that that sort of ethos. So that's why they went to Maurizio from Goblin to do the score. Then, of course, from that, um, a connection with Goblin was established. And obviously, they were the first people to be spoken with when this project was in its infancy. <sighs> so cool dude <laughs> yeah man. this is like I mean, a we've, nerdy little we've fan a... like i'm so like oh god <laughs> well goblin are on board and we've you know we've also had we've also got uh claudio simonetti's goblin as well because they've, they've split yeah uh, as of i think you know september october this year um they, they sort of went their separate ways and claudio formed his own incarnation of goblin with um some of the players from demonia who were a sort of goblin tribute band um and we're getting everybody now is, is is his new goblin or goblin reborn or i think it's just it's claudio simonetti's goblin is what he's going under at the moment okay. uh they're, they're touring europe at the minute and that's the name that they're using right on yeah so i mean it is it's it's going to be a really exciting year because you know both the book and profane are going to appear and hopefully we'll give genre fans something new in terms of anthologies because you know what harbinger are doing they're coming from the you know the old amicus anthology ethos you know more than the sort of contemporary anthology ethos you know with strong wraparounds and really memorable stories and that's really what we're trying to do like did you guys get a sort of a, a quick look at any of the stories that are in the book or any of the the sort of brief synopsis of no, just, uh, I mean, I didn't, I don't know if Eric did, but it, basically it's, we just got what's on the press release and, um, oh, okay, cool, cool. Well, um, sure. Pick a director and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of info about maybe one or two of the, the pieces. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sergio Martino. Let's. Okay. Well, um, the good news <laughs> about Martino, um, is that he's going to be going back to his roots. You know, uh, obviously being very stylistically driven in terms of giallo, uh, this will be one of the nice little uh, little glimpses into that world. And for Sergio's piece, it's basically about a young couple who have an argument, a very heated argument late at night when they're out in the streets of Rome. And she wanders off uh, with the intention of getting back at her boyfriend by maybe hooking up with the first stranger she sees, uh, which of course in true um, Italian genre fashion doesn't go all to plan. Oh, that's awesome. You know? So what, is, uh, yeah. what does Lombardo Bava have planned? Ah, Bava's one is going to be fun. Bava's one is definitely going to be fun because one of the things I should uh, mention as well is that all of this is geographically centered as well. This will be taking in the mythology of the seven ancient hills of Rome. 
So you're going to be guided around the seven ancient hills, and within each hill lies a story. Now, there are other hills of Rome as well, which will be incorporated in other landmarks. But because the seven hills are the most significant part of the old city, they will form the central basis of it. And from there will span outwards. And um, it's really taking you on a tour of all of these places and some of the mythology that's attached to them. Now, what Lamberto Bava is doing, and this is going to be really good fun. Um, this is about a honeymoon, honeymooning couple who are in Rome. And the female of the two becomes very intrigued with some of the mythology about the ancient muses that she learns about existed in the area, uh, in particular the muse of tragedy. And uh, let's just say that sort of her preconceptions become a little bit nightmarish and um, slightly surreal and dangerous at the same time. Excellent. Um, what about um, Aldo Lado? Okay, um, well, what, uh, what Lado is sort of, his one is really exciting uh, because he's taking it underground and it's going into the catacombs of Rome. And this is one of the ones that's going to be set in a historical period. So it's set during World War II in which a group of refugees seek shelter and seclusion, you know, in one of the abandoned catacombs. And obviously they initially think that they're safe from harm, but how safe can you be when you're surrounded by the dead? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the fact that you have, like you said, the, the, you're going the anthology route with all these great directors, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the anthologies have been sort of a yeah, pop pop hit lately with with horror fans because we get to see the up and coming directors and kind of latch onto them. But this in this case, we get to finally see what these guys have been up to or what they're planning on uh, getting up to with the in reintroducing us to the Italian horror. Uh, scene and in the fact that you have that strong wraparound story is something that I'm really excited about. That's brilliant. That's who's brilliant. who's doing the wraparound? Ah, I can't say. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> oh, You're trying to gosh. get me with my guard down, so I just like let it sort of fall out. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, I'm not going to be able to to mention that just yet. But you're not going to be waiting too long to find out. Don't worry, you're not going to be waiting too long to find out. Okay, um, is but... there going to be any um, cannibal-type stuff in this? That's a tricky one, because there's not too many cannibals on the streets of Rome. Um, but you never know. You never know. But we're not going to see a return to the jungle. Just yet. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You, just yet. Poor Creep. He gets blue balls enough from me. Hey, it's, it's all good, man. This is this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to answer some of your questions and hopefully, uh, hopefully, and enlighten the listeners a little bit as to what our plans are with all of this. Well, I think for sure, if people weren't excited before, um, they're gonna be kind of shitting themselves now. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool. I'm really glad that comes across because you know we're not. There's no cynical approach to this there's nobody sat in an office and went you know okay well there's this demographic and we see that the uh, the anthologies are doing really well so we can hit that up you know that's not where you know this this project is coming from this project is coming from admiration it's coming from love it's coming from respect and it's coming from a willingness to really give like you know discerning italian genre cinema fans something we've been waiting for for a long time because we haven't had a good Italian horror movie for a very long time now, and it will be great to see. Are there any other um, 
starlets that you could um, drop in our lap. Oh, in what in what particular context? <laughs> um, any any um, amazing females that um... oh right um yeah there's loads i could <laughs> but i still want to keep my job so <laughs> yeah i know but if you know should... if there was something that you know rhymed with um bedwidge and itch <laughs> or and, yeah, you know anything <laughs> that's been a very popular choice um you know we've done a few things because we're trying as well we know that you know, uh, people get very tired on the social media things of, you know, campaigns that just relentlessly go, okay, give us money, give us money, give us money. And that's not what we're trying to do with this. You know, a lot of what we're trying yeah. to do on the, the pages is give out a little bit of information about the films and the actors and the actresses. Now, one of the actresses we mentioned the other day was Odwige Fenech. And my God, it just, the amount of comments and likes and, you know, mentions of her, just shows like how beloved she still is. And at this stage, I should reiterate as well, what we're doing with that initial Kickstarter or the initial Indiegogo money is we're using this to acquire more talent. So, I mean, if, if fans want to see the, the names that they've been yelling at us, get on board, get involved. If you, know, if you can't spare any cash, spread the word. That's, that's all you got to do. Just make sure that everybody who would be interested in this project knows about it. Because there's nothing worse than someone coming up to you after the fact going, oh, man, if only I'd known about that, I would have I would have been all over it. For you sure. Know? So now not... I saw on your on your Facebook page, too, um, about Robert Kerman. Um, mm. Can you share anything about him at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Robert Kerman is a really, really interesting guy. I mean, he's had that sort of parallel career um between the adult industry and the the sort of italian horror and exploitation industry uh he was in diodato's concord affair 79 and he was in the american version of that film as well playing the same character but then he went on of course to work with diodato in cannibal holocaust he was in eaten alive with umberto lenzi and he was in cannibal ferox as well now i know that he wanted to embark on a career in italian filmmaking but I think that there was a little bit of a crossover and I think that maybe the adult industry work was discovered and he found that it wasn't as easy to acquire work in Italy anymore after that. Um, we have been speaking with him, but in regards to finality, in terms of his involvement with the film, it remains to be seen, but we're optimistic. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that... Uh... Even if you can't afford to spare uh, $5 or $10 after the holidays, uh, even yeah. though some of you I know got some envelopes of money out there for Christmas. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it, as long as we get this out and get people to know about it, um, there there have been projects that have crossed my path after the fact, like you said, and it's really heartbreaking to hear that I could have uh, contributed to it in some way and didn't have a chance. So uh, hopefully yeah, we'll get, I mean, get this out there. That's great, man. And it's, it's hugely appreciated because obviously you guys are – as enthusiastic and as big fans of this facet of cinema as, as I am and as, you know, the guys at Harbinger are. Um, I mean, the, the key people behind this are David Bond, who is one of the main producers, uh, Manda Manuel and Sergio Stivaletti. They're the three primary producers on this feature. And, you know, obviously there's going to be more people announced along the way, 
but we're really you know we don't want to lay all our cards on the table just yet, sure. understandably yeah now know? do you guys have um knowing that um this is kind of securing talent and all that do you guys have um tentative dates that you guys want to start the project oh well we we want to start shooting um spring you know we want to get we want to get to it fairly quickly and initial you know initial movements have been made to ensure that that happens so like i said we we are pushing ahead with this project it's not a case that if we don't reach our goal the film isn't going ahead the film is happening yeah but the nature of the film and the names that we have involved in the film this is what the uh, indiegogo campaign will assist with now um where is um harbinger located harbinger uh at the moment is located in canada now, um, do are there um, any like tax incentives in Italy that they would be able to get? That's something I'm not sure of because you see the thing with tax incentives and the thing with you know subsidiaries and um, once you get into that whole affair, you usually have to go through the standard film board of that particular country. Yeah. And when you start going through the standard film board of any particular country, you have to start making a certain type of movie. Yes. You know, because yeah. if you and I'm sure you know this yourself, if you go to any sort of local film board, they want a certain type of film. Uh, usually really depressing relationship dramas, you know, with lots of rain, <laughs> people crying, dogs dying slowly, you know. But they, if you go to them, OK, we want to make this you know, insanely epic um, anthology film set about the mysteries of Rome, you might not be met with such a strong welcome. And if you were, it might be, okay, that's great. Well, we just want to take this angle with it. We want this to be completely independent. We want this to be complete creative freedom for all of the directors involved because we think that's what they deserve. Yeah. You know, so if you start getting involved with... Um, you know, incentives and subsidiaries and bonuses from particular countries, then it's it starts to get messy. In terms of individual investments, um, that changes from locale to locale. So, you know, that would be something that would have to be examined on a person-to-person -person basis. Okay. Well, as far as um, your guys' game plan goes, uh, around when would be the next... Uh, vomit of information like um okay well what are we sitting now we're sitting at about five thousand now if we hit ten thousand within the next week which would be absolutely fantastic we'll we'll give you a big surprise for that Ooh, big so, surprise uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we were expect you know we were expecting obviously to uh to hit that in the first week but, you know, we've, we've, we've got these, like, envelopes ready to go, ready to open and send out, you know. But um, it's just a case that, like I said, it was the run-up to the holidays. Things uh, things quietened down a little, but we're going to hit the ground running again. And, you know, we've still quite a lot of time to go. Yeah, right on. Um, is there anything else, Eric, that you wanted to hit? I don't think so. I think you covered it all. Yeah, we'll have the, uh, the links to the Indiegogo campaign uh, up with our show. Uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens in these uh, next 27 days, see if we can hit some more of these benchmarks. 
that's brilliant because I mean at this stage you know everybody and their cat has a horror blog so uh, <laughs> let's let's get them spread around you know? right. in fact my cat has a very good horror blog it's, it's really popular <laughs> so uh, yeah you know we'll just get the word out and uh, let's see if the fans really want to make this happen yeah so. man and please keep us informed if, oh guys you'll be the first to know you'll anything to know. wants to leak out or anything like that you know, yeah, sure thing, man. You can, <laughs> you, you can be my Julian Assange, you know. Oh, I've always wanted to be a Julian Assange. <laughs> you get to change your hair quite regularly, which oh, is nice. So cool! I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have well, to right that on, beard. Yeah, the beard's gonna get kind of thick here, so yeah, gotta <laughs> figure that out. Well, dude, thank you so much. This was like really fucking great. No worries, no worries. It's been a pleasure. Can I just ask you one thing before I go? Yeah. Which one are you most excited about? Which director? Honestly, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said Martino. But mm -hmm. I am so into Lado right now. Like, right. Um, this is kind of stupid, but like, uh, Last House on the Left was like my favorite movie for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I always heard people talk about Night Train Murders as being like a total ripoff and the whole fucking yeah. thing and whatever. And so I never watched it. And I always like, oh, I don't want to watch that shit, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then um, a while back I watched it and I was just blown away. Mm -hmm. Blown away. Like I thought it was so good and so smart. And um, – regardless if it was completely inspired by last house or not it was done so well and it was just so clever yeah and it was just beautiful so like as of right this second i'm really excited about that but honestly in about a week or two weeks <laughs> i could be all excited about Lindsay. so it's like um i i freak out and i have a weird thing with diodato so um mm -hmm. I, or I had a little incident with him. Okay. Um, I almost drank his coffee at um, a horror convention in LA a couple years ago. Oh, and, How did that um, go down? I just get nerdy and geeky, and he wasn't yeah. at his table, but there was a hot cup of coffee there, and I'm like, oh, that's his coffee. And like an idiot, I went and <laughs> grabbed the cup, and I picked it up and smelt it. And then he came and put his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, oh, thank you for the coffee, and took it from me, and I got all scared, and I ran away. So, yeah. Oh, dude, you don't mess with an Italian man's coffee. They take that seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was so funny. And, um he, he was sitting right across from some people that were had a bunch of bootleg DVDs for sale. And okay. the whole day, he's like yelling at him. He's like, oh, you want my movies? Just go over there. They got freaking copies of them. Yeah. I'm not ever <laughs> going to get any money from them. But yeah, they'll sell them to you all day long. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just and that, 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 Oh, man. And that brings us back to our, our point that we made at the very start. You know, just because you've heard of someone. Um, especially in the movie industry, doesn't mean that they're taking in huge amounts of cash. I mean, especially um, today, when the divide between the indie filmmaker and the studio filmmaker becomes ever more vast. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Eric? Just before you know, I, I head off. Which uh, which segment or which director are you most excited about? I think I'm still in the uh, Sergio Martino camp. Um, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see because of all the the Giallis that he did uh, early on. I want to see what he'll do in 2013, 2014, um, and what kind of ideas he's been harboring for this long. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, like I said, um, we've a, a fairly long journey ahead of us, but uh, hopefully you guys will all get to see the film by the by the end of next year, and maybe this time next year we'll be sitting talking about it in a, in a very different way.
Oh, that'd be awesome, man. Yes, I'm very excited no. for that. Okay, well, guys, I will I will say thank you very much for the opportunity to come on and speak about the book. And uh, the very best of luck. We'll be speaking soon. Thank you, man. You Take too. it easy. Take good care. Bye. 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 And we're back. Wasn't wow. that awesome? <laughs> that was fun listening to again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, magic, man. Love magic. Yeah. That was that was awesome. Uh, uh, being sincere right now, that was great having uh, having Colin on to talk about the book, and uh, even though we had him come on from overseas, we had a few Skype issues in there from time to time. I think the point came across pretty well. Yeah, and just as like a nerdy little fanboy, like that was like so much fun. Yes, it was. It, and he. He seemed like just yeah, like one of us, one of us fanboys that uh, is really excited about this project. And uh, like you said in the interview, it would have been awesome to be kind of a fly on the wall watching this whole thing go down. Oh my god! Right? It, yeah. And it sounds like everyone behind it has like that kind of fanboy attitude as well, which right. is really really neat. And which is another reason why they're really pushing to try to get as much as they can from the fundraising so they don't have to go through um, the normal studio-type channels for this. Yeah, because if anyone knows about that, it's probably you. Eh. But <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've dabbled. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it was great to hear him break down those different levels that you could donate. So they've got... Uh, three different things that you could claim just at the $50 level. Um, just so many diverse options of cool shit to go grab out there. Yeah, so we're not getting any kickbacks from this, but we all want to see it happen. So yep. fucking put some money on this thing, damn it. That's right. When when Jello Chow Chow is going strong a year from now, we want to be talking about this movie. And our yellow ahead. leather jackets. That's right. <laughs> With, with our big J&B endorsement. Yes, yeah. driving our Fiat's. Oh my god. Each other's houses. Can't wait. Did you realize how long it would take for me to drive to your house in a fucking Fiat? <laughs> Damn it, I've already gone 50 miles, gotta stop for gas again. Dude, I swear to god, I don't even know if I'd be able to make it there before the next show. <laughs> I'd have to stop in Salt Lake City and do the show from there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it, it's cool. I would like to do it. We should take Jalo Chow Chow on tour. You know, just should. just go around America to all these places where no one knows what the fuck we're talking about. And <laughs> sit in front of our legions of fans. <laughs> oh my god, this is so much fun. Are you guys having just... fun yet? I'm already having a good time. I'm a we just crash a, a horror convention, and just sit down in chairs and and uh, pass the mic back and forth to each other. See if anyone wants to join in. Please. <laughs> Did you hear him? He said short and curlies, people. Sit down. <laughs> okay. Woo. So, I suppose um, we should get to the, uh, what, the meat and potatoes of the show? Is that where you were headed? Um, I think so. Um, let me see. No. Oh, we should be talking about um, the people behind the film. Yeah, that, that, okay. is, that is the next uh, talk of discussion. You came up with in your format brainstorming today. <laughs> yeah, 
and we should probably be a little more slick about it but there's okay. just something about me that just can't really be slippery i don't know what it is but you know you know how it goes people don't oh you know what i should check there. i should check if we're still recording <laughs> i'm sorry guys i thought i saw the thing go on but things have been so wonky lately that i get really nervous I'm backing you up. Don't worry, I got you back over here. Well, it's recording, so I guess we're okay. Hopefully it's been recording this whole time. If you're still listening to this conversation, that means that it's been recording. So congratulations, all of you. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> tonight we are talking about Strip Nude for Your Killer, which was the first um, Jolly that I ever saw. And... I automatically assumed that every movie in this genre would look exactly like this. So, um, when not all of them did, I got a little upset and sad. But this has always been my favorite. Um, for probably just nostalgic reasons. But anytime you see ultra trashy fun on the cover of a DVD, you know you're, you're going to have some good times. That's right. Yeah, the, uh, I guess this being my first watch of the film, even I had a good time with it, and we'll get into a little bit of our, our feelings on it um, after the, the synopsis and everything, but yeah, Strip Nude for Your Killer, not promising any cinematic or cinematic beauty or ingenuity, it's just like it advertises good sexual fun, sexified Joel, well, how else can I say this without sounding like a complete and total pervert? Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. We're going to sound like pervs this whole thing. This whole so, um, this was released on the 26th of August in 1975. And... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were getting that in depth. Oh my gosh! What what kind of film stock was it put on? <laughs> um, whatever shit they had lying around, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so um, you, go ahead, tell us about um, the director. All right, well the uh, director Andrea Bianchi, which I am sure I'm pronouncing correctly, came out with this film, which I talking about uh, alternative titles like last week I, I really like the one for this one or the Italian one anyway Nude Per Le Assassino and I'm saying that correctly yeah. Too. yeah they've got Nude and Assassin in that title yeah but I guess they got Nude and Killer in this one so what am I talking about anyway Andrea Bianchi was um, kind of a, a uh, Italian director that there's not too much information on that I came to learn um, but when he came out with this film, he was relatively new to the giallo scene and film in general. I uh, didn't really have any films before the 70s. So a little bit unlike <clears throat> his uh, predecessors in Bava and um, who am I blanking on right now? Dario Argento. But he uh, tended to explore more sexual infused horror and crime tales in the 70s and worked on a lot of porn in the 80s, actually. So he just kept riding that, riding that pube trail into the 80s and just got more and more depraved. Right into but... the pube trail. <laughs> the treasure trail. 
But um, this one probably his obviously his most well known and popular title that he yeah. did. Uh, but I could just be speaking for myself. Maybe I need to dive into some of those those deeper cuts from the eighties. I agree that at least in my viewing that this would be his seminal piece of amazingness. Um, I personally just love titles that tell you to do something. It's like <laughs> strip nude for your killer. You're like, oh, okay, you know, like I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch this. Okay, it's like it's <laughs> like, damn it, do it. So I like that. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing is, is that this movie came out in '75, so it was right at the tail end of like the heyday, the the shallow heyday. So. Um, like right around this time a lot of the the jolly were getting sleazier and trashier they had to like kind of try to push the envelope a little bit more you know like when any <clears throat> um genre comes up and it gets really popular you have like a bunch of uh uh mockbusters or um people all jumping in at the same time trying to grab a piece of the pie kind of thing and this was the time when that started happening and so um the funny thing is um about this film in particular and others around the same time even though they were the the tail end and when they started kind of pushing the envelope to kind of make it a little more um a trashier than the ones that had come out before it they were still getting great cast members so if you could imagine like i'm trying to think of like something i could compare it to but like in the late 80s when all the really just shitty slasher movies started coming out if you could imagine having like jamie lee curtis still in those you know or yeah. like something like that just like like what you know like um i don't know it, it, it's that whole kind of thing where even though this was like the when things started to go into the ick there were still people wanting to be a part of these if that makes any sense yeah. which makes it really cool for me yeah as i'm watching more and more of these films i'm coming to learn how incestuous jolly films can get with not actual incest but just the fact that they have a lot of the same actors and directors and cinematographers and uh people doing mm -hmm. the score all these same people coming back to do every single one of these films which is i think kind of a blessing and a curse but mostly a blessing because of how it really kept the style it makes going it fun the, too uh, it's like oh yeah that's the that's fun. homegirl yep. from so and so you know i mean god we had uh suzy kendall in two back-to-back -back movies on this show you know what i'm saying that's right um and as far as incest goes the farther into the 70s we get um we will have more <laughs> of that <laughs> definitely and uh another one of those those stars that she's making her debut on our show but she is no stranger to jello jello fans and uh, no stranger to creep, I'm pretty oh, sure. And no stranger to horror in general. Right, right. And um, I think you're better at saying her name than I well, am. So I'll let you. I'll, I'll try my hardest here. It's um, Edwidge Finnick. Some people say Finnich. 
Edwidge Fenich yeah. or Edwidge Fenick. Um, I've heard Fenick, and I've also heard Orwige for the first time. Ooh. I was watching you, trying to watch you. How, how do you? How did you just say that? That's probably actually how you pronounce it. And I'm just like <clears> Edwig. <throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Merka. Ardwig Fanak. Yeah. You make her sound like my doting German oh. grandmother. Hell yeah! But um, she right. is just <laughs> lovely, lovely. She definitely is. She's like, and she's making her appearance here in this film with a little bit of a pixie mm -hmm. haircut, but she is known for a few assets. One being her luscious long hair that she had in her other films, but um, as we'll see in this film, she has a few other things going for oh, her. Yeah. And I think this is kind of cool because um, <clears throat> I don't know necessarily if this was the first time she got to play a role like this. But, um, this was, like, probably the first time that I, I could think of, like, chronologically in her career, where her role wasn't, like, um, whore or, um, table yeah. dancer. It was, like, really awesome photographer for this big modeling agency who also happens to be super right. fucking hot. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I guess getting a little bit into her esteemed career, uh, she, we mentioned her on our torso episode as having been married for a short time to Sergio Martino's brother Luciano in the seventies. And that's kind of how she got tied into the giallo scene. Uh. Uh, but for the most part, uh, she was a French actress who like many in the area moved to Italy in the sixties during their film boom, their golden age. And, uh, her beauty was first noticed, however, doing sex comedies, and like you said, she had a lot of strange, um, strange cast, casting names. I think one of them was Giovanna Longthigh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she she did a lot of work mainly in that. She does pop in from time to time on these Gialli films, which will hopefully have her back on. Oh, she will definitely be on here a bunch. And for those of you who are just unfamiliar with all of this. She was also in Hostile too, so um, yes. Yeah. If her, her career kind of toned down <clears throat> at the beginning of the '80s, but she did make that triumphant return in Hostile too as some kind of a I'm trying to I'm blanking right now, some kind of a professor. Or teacher. I'm gonna just come out and say that I really just don't like the Hostile movies. So like, <laughs> there's I, there's a ton of like Takashi Miike did a cameo in one of the Hostel movies, you know. So, uh -huh. like I saw that one because he was in it, and I saw Hostel two because she was in it. But at the end of the day, like I'm just like ugh, I, and it's just me. I just I didn't dig it. But it's it's too bad because <clears throat> Eli Roth uh, has come out to to show that he's a very he's a big uh giallo fan and he's these are huge influences on him and on the uh, blu-ray of torso he even does an introduction to the film so it's kind of like this you get this feeling like oh it's a oh. this kind of missed opportunity where he, we could have had this guy who's a huge fan of these movies that really influenced his career and he could have um and he's getting all these people from these films but well, I don't of... know. This uh, we're tangent style right now, but he, I know he just did a movie called. Um, I think it's actually called The Green Inferno, 
that is like a throwback yeah. to the cannibal movies and all that stuff. <clears throat> um, but I don't. I think it's playing festivals right now. So like, it's obvious that he likes this era, you know. And a lot of the people yeah. who were in the Jalo scene ended up in the cannibal boom, which happened. That's which started right at the end of. Um, really the end of I think it was 78 to 81 was the cannibal boom um, but a lot of the directors and filmmakers from the Jalo community went into the cannibal uh, genre <clears throat> so yeah it's cool and like he's got good taste obviously especially if he got to taste some fennec <laughs> sorry um you know he freaking put a pass on her, dude. There is no way a fanboy. I don't care how old she is. I do not care. Yeah, we've, we've heard all your fanboy stories. You have not heard hardly the tip of the iceberg of how stupid I get. If you ever want to hear the story about me meeting Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks, that's a whole other can of worms. Um, yeah. But anyway. <clears throat> Save that for your Dixie Chicks yeah. podcast. It's going to be called um, Chicks with Dick. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you gotta I, I won't touch back. that with a 39 and a half foot pole. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah. I guess the uh, only other fun fact I really got about the production of this film is that writer Massimo Felisati, who actually collaborated with uh, Andrea Bianchi often, uh, was so embarrassed by his own story or his own script that he gave credit for the story to Bianchi. So that, in and of itself, sort of tells you what we're in store for with Strip Nude for Your Killer. Dude, I am just going to say that the dialogue in this movie is phenomenal. I don't know why anyone would be embarrassed at this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. <clears throat> well, we only heard the, uh, the American dubbed dialogue. They could have... Oh, right i should watch it with the subtitles and see if it was a little smoother over there because the end could be totally different he could be say hey grab my keys you know and we yeah. get what we got oh my gosh and she got what she got so like i like i said last time we're gonna go from the worst ending ever to the best ending ever <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that you had war warned me about that too and <laughs> when that came up creep oh, damn you okay um the other thing is there's someone in this movie who's just named Amanda have, have we talked we haven't talked about that yet have we no I think I just brought it up to you in our fun little conversation beforehand or when we were doing our interview but yeah we've got Amanda do you know anything which... about Amanda uh, okay. Well, um, <laughs> she was born, and then she was an actress. That's about it. There you go. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm one of the people that think if you're going to come out with a name like that, you should do some stuff. There should be a reason why you're the only Amanda anyone should ever know about. Yeah, who <clears> the fuck does she think she I'm sure she did some stuff, but, um might have been more popular over there yeah, that's true 
Maybe. So we've got a We're just trying to be nice right now. We have no idea. She's like my least favorite character in this whole movie, and a lot of it has to do with her makeup choices. Makeup choices, <clears throat> and yeah, I just couldn't get past the fact that she's she just goes by. You know what? She probably drinks with the Dosakis guy. Like I can see them like in a bar <laughs> together. That's right. Probably goes to Mexico and thinks she's cultured by ordering dosakis. Yeah, dude. She's like, I don't always fucking hang out with this cool guy, but when I do, we do crazy shit. Okay, um, should we hit the bio of this movie? I, yeah, let's I, I don't do it. I think... do it to where it puts you to sleep. So um... yeah, and we got that. We had that big interview at the beginning, so. I don't think we've got a very convoluted plot anyway, so I think it'll go. Personally, I think this is an action-packed episode, and I'm sure everyone's, like, <laughs> bouncing off the walls right now or touching their short curlies. So, um, That's right. <laughs> they could feel the excitement coming through their earphones. They are running their fingers through their hair. When a fashion model dies during an abortion, a series of murders begin, starting with her doctor. The next victims are connected to the modeling agency where she worked, Albatross. Ran or run by a hard edge and jealous bisexual. Am I just like giving the whole movie away right here? A bunch of shit happens yeah. and there's a bunch of pubic hair. Like, what else do you need to hear? Like, let's get into it. Let's get yeah. into it, dude. But I have to. I do have to say you were doing a pretty good job in... And uh, if this podcasting thing doesn't work out, you should probably get a job at some public access channel, like introducing old 70s films. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the girl in a world where a company called Albatross shares a name with the little red bird in Super Mario Brothers 3. Okay. <laughs> to get that film. It's a special infrared film. Get it and develop it. Hurry. Thank you. 
just as if for a sacred rite. Oh, he killed Doris. Then Doris must have been killed by the same madman. Blood. To slake the thirst of a human beast. There's very little time to love. It must be done hurriedly, desperately. Because for him, for her, for anyone, an atrocious death may be approaching. the breath of death on the back of one's neck. Ah, he gave us a slip. An anguished shiver chills the blood. It's the moment of terror. Anyway, we're treated to an opening bush shot at the outset. Oh. We're getting into this, right? Yeah, we are getting into, into that. The bush, Get the fucking speculum. Right. We're diving. <laughs> and uh, as I said, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct, she's having an abortion. Yeah. And this is shot very and, tastefully uh, for all the cool yeah, shit I was gonna we say, see. Got... It's shot very tastefully. Right, they've got the right angles. They've got a nice dreamlike blue lens on it, so it, you don't really know if you're watching a dream vision or if this is really happening. And uh, however, unfortunately for her and the doctor, she has a massive coronary and dies. Yeah, and I don't know what the hell the doctor was trying to do. Like, oh, she's dying. Here, let me stab her with a needle and feel her uh -huh. face. Like, I, I didn't understand. Like, obviously, he's just a gynecologist and has no expertise in medicine <laughs> you've obviously never been to an italian hospital <laughs> apparently not so then he, so he okay. gets on the phone <laughs> and has a funny phone call okay go ahead what happens next when he gets on yeah, the take phone it. take it take us through dude this, this is the fun i don't oh, okay, okay i don't have anything about he, the phone he gets on the phone yet. and he's like uh bitch is dead and someone's on the yeah. phone, he's like, what? You need to help me move the body. And the guy's like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and he's like, get down here now. And I can't remember what he says at the end, because that's what he should have said, is get your ass down here. But, like, the phone call, oh, shit, I should have wrote it down. The phone call ends on, like, a really ridiculous, like, like half sentence. I don't know. Anyway, so um, then we see that... Um, someone and the doctor are putting the body in a bathtub to try to make it look like a suicide. Yeah, so already some really uh, shady things going on here. You think it's just this perfectly fine gyneco or gynecologist gyna. Uh, performing this gyna? <laughs> gynecologist! <laughs> gynecologist! That's what they're working on, right? That's what they're... 
So it should be. Damn it. Oh my god. I'm changing it right yeah, now. I need to go make but. an appointment with my vaginacologist. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, usually they, if someone dies in their hospital bed, they're not calling someone up. They're in cahoots with the uh, stage of suicide, but that's exactly what they do. And uh, someone's not very happy that they're doing this. And some time passes, and the doctor is murdered in his home by a heavily breathing person in a black leather, in a black leather jumpsuit or something. What did you think of the, and, uh, the killer, like the killer's outfit and everything? Because obviously uh, George well, like, Lucas totally bit this for Darth Vader. So now that that's <laughs> out of the way, like, what did you think of it? Or at least Spaceballs <laughs> with Dark Helmet. Yeah. Well, as you know, I was impressed by the costume choices in Torso, so obviously the uh, motorcycle helmet, even though it caused the person to sound like they <laughs> ran 10 miles. Yeah. The whole time, it's great. Yeah, but yeah, I do love this different take, this different look, and when people say that this is sort of the launch pad, this and Bay of Blood into the slasher phenomenon a couple years later, uh, you <clears> finally get to see how menacing these masks now basically can be. the killer like... goes up and kills this dude and you can't really tell but what happens is the killer cuts off the dude's dick and slaps it on the ground and yeah. it's all it's really gross but they it, they cut away from it so fast it's like it, it takes you a minute to go was that what i just think that was that you know like yeah <clears throat> so yummy so yeah, you're you're we're already wondering if this killer has some sort of sexual motivations, obviously because this guy was like a vaginacologist, and they're cutting off his penis now because he killed this woman. So some clues, maybe a little bit here as to their motivations. But um, we go to a modeling agency with Carlo, one of the photographers, creeping around. On the models in his speedo. By the way, that, was... I'm wearing that exact same uh, little <laughs> swimsuit as of right yeah. now, which yeah. is the greatest color scheme pattern 1970s uh, banana hammock kind of thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the dude—they're <laughs> booty shorts. Like half of his ass cheeks are hanging out the back, and they look amazing. Not his ass, but the actual. Um, things and there's like a pool and shit <clears throat> it's just like the the greatest place you could ever imagine hanging out that's where this is happening right now well, that's why i was asking you if you were wearing or that's why i said it was swimsuit weather and was asking what oh you were my wearing God, dude like yeah. seriously I, mean, his... I would kill someone to get those those were the greatest <laughs> things i've ever I mean, seen we we can't cut his ass short that was a nice ass that speedo. Yes, yes. He he's a very hot man, <laughs> and he's gonna prove it by hitting on one of these poor, naive young models as she's trying to eat her breakfast. He gives her all these promises. He's gonna get her in vogue, dude. And, it is uh, so trashy. It's exactly what you would expect. Some he's like yeah. following her. And she's just some chick walking. He's taking pictures of her ass, and he's like, "Oh, can you smile for me? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, honey, I can't yeah. really see that good. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a great look. And all the pictures are of her butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where where Baba kind of explored the uh, 
the fashionable side of the industry and the uh, the very colorful and beautiful beautiful parts of it. Uh, Bianchi really gets into the uh, deep underbelly of what the fashion industry Dude. is really like and how these photographers get these young models who are just starting so out. Good. The, she's sitting there <laughs> trying to. She's like, "Can you put that camera away?" He's like, "No." And she's like, oh, "Okay." And he's like, I'm a photographer. I work for all these super high fashion places. You do? Yeah, you can be a model. I can. Yeah, why don't you come with me over here real quick? And she's yeah. like, okay. Let's go to the sauna. <laughs> oh, places. my God, it's so good. What can happen in a sauna in a photo so shoot? He, he starts taking her bikini off. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, this is cumbersome. And she's like, okay, well, yeah. shit, I can't really argue with that. It is quite cumbersome. <laughs> And if I had been like you and watched this movie uh, earlier on, or in my in the Gialli film watching phase, I might have thought this is how you actually seduce. Oh my god! And it worked out. Dude, seriously, if I saw this movie when I was thirteen, I would be a very cool dude right now. I think. (laughs) Yeah, you'd know how to. My life would have went a completely different route. And so, and then he takes off her bottoms in the sauna, and she's like, what are you doing? What if someone comes in? He's like, baby, do you know how many people started their career off just like you're doing right now? And she's like, okay. (laughs) It makes so much sense when you say it, Carlo. And then he's like, well, let me see here. Oh, my camera's not working. And then he's like taking pictures, and she's like, dude, your camera's not clicking. And he's like, oh, it's not? Oh, it's not. Huh. That's right. Okay, well, I guess I'll take <laughs> off these fashionable shorts. And she's like, yeah. what are you doing? And he's like, trust me, baby. <laughs> I have an idea. And so then they start bumping yeah. uglies right there. And some other chick shows up. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, bitch, I'm working. <laughs> yeah. He really shows what a womanizer he is when he's got this one woman bumping uglies, as you say, oh in the sauna. God. And then he's got the other one that he had a some kind of a date or some kind of an appointment with. And then I like what he does here because there's a little window in the sauna door and after she gets pissed off and slams the door, she fucking stares him down. She's like, you motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So that was a neat little, uh uh-oh, bitch got motive. So, uh, yeah, so he, uh, despite all these actions, he still tries to live up to his word and bring this young model to... Albatross. Which I gotta say, the guy's a class act. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he's gonna. He, he did his thing. Play it for all his Yeah. Time. And he could have just walked away right there. He got what he wanted. You know? Uh-huh. But he decided to. You know what? You were really fun. You look great. My camera didn't work. Here's tomorrow's model. And everyone's yeah. looking. And he's like, come on, babe, open up the jacket. Show him the goods. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy enough for him. So yeah, apparently she's got some stage fright. Though, uh, when he brings her around, he seems to draw the ire of a fellow photographer, Magda, played by the beautiful Arwige Fennec. Yeah, someone needs to give her a better character name. I'm going to call her Hot Pixie <laughs> for the rest of the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Hot Pixie but, uh, sees her, and she's like, ugh, what, like, horror trap did you crawl out of? One of those yeah. things. Yeah, even though she's a fashion photographer, she still gets some jealousy around Carlo and all these beautiful women he's bringing around. Which you think she should be used to by now. Yeah, and she was probably one of these girls at one point, maybe two, you know, you never know. 
And then the um, the chick who runs the place, Amanda, Amanda, whose name is really what? Did you say Amanda at the same time I did? <laughs> yeah. That was either cheesy or awesome. What, what's her name? Uh, Giovanni or... Uh, Gisella. But we can call her Amanda. We'll call her Amanda. Okay. That's what she would, That's what she would want. So Amanda comes in and she's like, who's this tramp? Hmm. Okay. Come to my office. And then the girl's like, what do I do? And Carl's like, bitch, move. Go, go, go. And then so she goes off into the office with Amanda, who runs Albatross. And um, Amanda shows up with her amazing husband, who um, obviously must have been the one who gave her the seed money for her company or something like that, um, because he's not very easy on the eyes, and as we find out later, has issues down south. Um, but he says... He could have a great personality. But where? No, actually, he doesn't. No, he, he might have at one point. I don't know. He's yeah, easy. he's like, so, uh, what did he ask Carlo? He's like... You think she puts out, or... Yeah. yeah and he's like, like, fuck you, pervert! And it's like, Carlo, you're a pig and a half, dude. Give the guy a break. Yeah. But he wears nice speed Oh my gosh, dude. He's not a creep. Oh, man. So anyway, um, so all that shit goes down. And then Carlo is in the... If, if I'm jumping ahead, stop me. But these are just, like, my favorite points. Um, so Carlo's in the uh, dark room developing some shit and um hot pixie comes in and he's like oh bitch shut the door i'm in the dark room you're gonna fuck up my pictures or whatever what do you want and she's like i just wanted to know if you think i'm a good model and she goes rips all her clothes off and he's like oh yeah Yeah, that's what i was gonna say if she had been one of those girls in the past She's really showing that she's still motivated to keep Carlo in her life, at least. Yeah, and I'm led to believe that this is the first time that they did something like this. <clears throat> yeah, because he seems to have really hard... Like, he seems to be quite the ladies' man, but she seems to be the one woman that he has a hard time handling. Yeah, and dude, do, do you understand? She goes up, so she's naked, looking amazing. She goes up, and she starts rubbing up on him and kissing him, like, super, like gentle and full lipped and the whole thing and he's not budging at all dude yeah. If, yeah, i'm sure I mean, yeah. he, like he kept fucking that take up and he's like can we do that again yeah <laughs> we, we need to do that one more time everybody i kind of fucked up there <laughs> <laughs> and then what what happens eventually towards the end of the scene um pretty much proves how tough it is to be in the same acting space as a naked ugly Fennec, but uh, he does a pretty good job handling himself. Yeah, she, she seemed to do a good job handling himself too. She she slid <laughs> right down him um, and ended up face first in his um, what, what do you call them? Flat front khakis? Yes. <laughs> no pleats on those. No. Um, <clears throat> and, but the whole thing was, she's like, can I be one of your models? He's like, yeah. But you have a great career as a photographer. You don't want to throw that away. And she's like, ugh. She's like, I'm still yeah. gonna rub my face hole all over you, though. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's basically trying to tell her you get maybe one, two years as a model, but you have a whole career as a photographer. Oh. But 
This is what she wants. Yep. And so while all this is going on, we meet a couple other um, of the models and. Um, we saw both of the blonde chicks, right? Or just one of them? I've got one yeah. that I've seen, other than the one that he met. Yeah. Um. Oh, man, I don't even need to see that right now. Sorry, I got a text that I didn't like. Um, so, yeah, back to <laughs> short and curlies. Um, and there's, like, a guy who's the makeup guy who's probably a little light in the loafers. Um meaning a uh, homosexual which is fine um and all sorts of other stuff and then oh is this yeah. my turn <laughs> <laughs> well i've got a uh, an unknown figure is also developing photos of what appears to be these models and employees at the agency so obviously targeting all these people that were just being introduced to over these last few scenes and uh, this is, however, the uh, effeminate Mario, who's followed home by a figure in the black suit, who he appears to know. And uh, he, we know this because he calls this person Darling. Mm -hmm. So another hint towards maybe the uh, sexual uh, gender of this person. I guess I didn't have to say sexual gender. Well, you don't know because you know, he's gay, so he could, could be, be talking yeah. to anybody, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I forget how I saw. I mean, how those people. So those people. Sometimes you forget what it's like to be a homosexual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be a closeted one. Oh, that's too bad. But uh, after he lets. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he lets this darling into his apartment, where he's suddenly attacked and stabbed. But not before he hands this person a picture, and he says, "Why do you want that old picture for?" Oh yeah. Right. And he, he gets a little confused as to why the person is pouring so much whiskey into their glass. Or was that a different scene? I'm sorry. Um, that was the same scene. He was pouring her a drink. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's like, pour yourself a drink. And then the killer starts. No, just... the killer starts pouring it and it's overflowing. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? My, my J&B. Yeah. <laughs> this stuff's like $20 a bottle. And uh, anyway, after his body is discovered, the police arrive at the agency to question Amanda Gisela. Uh, but they don't get very far aside from some peaks at some nearby models' panties. And uh, all they appear to have is a connection to the murder of the doctor uh, and this Mario guy sort of being similar and being uh, from or being acquainted, I guess, because the doctor was the doctor of a model of this agency, as we learn. And so we flash to Gisela now sleeping with that a model from earlier that a Carlo introduced us to until she flips out on her from out of nowhere, it seems like, uh, for also being attached to Carlo, which seems like she would she already knew beforehand, but she still doesn't like the fact that this girl is sort of playing them both. So Gisela leaves the scorned lesbian and the poor nude vulnerable girl left behind is stalked and killed. This is a really good scene. Like, um, the way she... Because <clears throat> what the killer does, um, the killer turns on water. Um, like, turns on the faucets. So, to, like, throw back to you left 
this person in a bathtub with the water running to fake the suicide or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and the chick, what is the girl's name who Carlo banged in the sauna? <laughs> I never caught right. it. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so she has red hair and she looks really good. And, um, but she's like walking around the house naked, full frontal, fun stuff. And there's this part where she's like looking at a curtain and she, the curtain's blowing in the wind, like someone opened a window and she backs up and goes into the bathroom, turns off the waters, all freaking out. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, bam, out of the shower. It's just, it's such a good scene. And, um, she gets jilted, but not before she was going through Amanda's, um, dresser and found a crappy little snowflake earring and was like trying it on or whatever but she held it tightly in her hand and so when she was found that was found in her hand yes uh, carlo and magda now in their full-fledged affair are discussing the intricacies of coffee and milk together so awesome something that we've uh... all had debates on before italians you can't mess with our coffee but, you know, when okay. I wake up, the first thing I do is uh, put my feet up on the wall and do a handstand on the bed. So, <laughs> yeah. <the> nude. <laughs> Got to, you know, fill the capillaries up, you know, but you wouldn't know nothing about that because you're a dumb girl. That's right. You know, there's molecules. <laughs> Go get my coffee. Dude. But don't put any The milk science in. behind everything this guy said sounded like the biggest bunch of bullshit ever. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> part of that writing that there he's might be a little embarrassed about but i i think it's the character like i'm just gonna say a bunch of big words and hope that girls don't understand what i say and then if they question me i'll go you're too stupid to know it's just like total chauvinist amazingness yeah. like if you're into that kind of shit yeah a lot of the, the uh the gripe that this film gets is with carlo's uh, massac or chauvinist behavior as we see as they're examining the most recent case in the paper and uh, this one being Carlo's girl who I just looked up I think it's Patrizia Patrizia <clears throat> and uh, he gets a bit defensive when Magda is talking about her and wraps his hands around her throat which is a natural reaction anytime someone whenever someone questions something and she didn't even say anything bad she's like didn't you know her and he's like bitch yeah. what are you talking about don't get no crazy ideas no, no, about that and she's, he's totally choking her and she's like trying to get out and she's like oh I can't breathe here. and he's like and she's like god stop and he's like oh I'm sorry and she's like okay yeah. so it says he here <laughs> oh my god best girlfriend ever I know she puts up with a lot poor outreach poor hot pixie yeah so Carlo is brought in for questioning once again, along with Gisela, who's starting to give off a bit of a stink of having to be involved with all these murders. She's got a damn business to run. But uh, once the uh, police leave, however, Gisela turns on Carlo and accuses him, or at least it seems like to me anyway, and it causes him to once again get a bit aggressive towards uh, yet another woman. And let me just say, Amanda looks ridiculous at this point in the movie. She has, yeah. like, some like bedazzled jewel on her lip like a beauty mark and her eyes look like 
she's trying to make her eyes look Asian, like with her eyeliner. It's yeah. just like, I don't know what the hell hit her in the face, but it was a whole lot kinda of ugly. S- yeah, I kind of saw it as like what a man in drag would look like, <laughs> except it was a woman. So it's like the opposite of you. What do you, what do you think of what she should look like? Yeah. Yeah. As we were talking about earlier, the other there's another creeper at the agency, Maurizio, Gisela's husband, who apparently takes dates to strip clubs. And uh, using his charm, he gets one of the other models, Doris, on a joyride back to his oh house. Oh my god. And uh, tries to buy some sex from her. And this is, when they talk about this movie being fun, I think one of those <laughs> is this car ride. <laughs> yeah, like they basically just drove like a maniac and put the camera inside the car and did all sorts of crazy um, to try to get some good shots. And like, honestly, I'm shocked that they didn't crash. Yeah, I know and the way he was so nonchalant about the whole thing. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, it's fine. We're going to go back to my house. Oh, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, She's like, stop the car. He's like, no, you can't stop here. Yeah. Oh, we cannot pull over here. I mean, let's turn around. Let's go out this way. Oh. <laughs> Just having a jolly old time. Terrorizing this poor Doris. So, um, he takes her back to this, like, it's like an apartment that him and his wife own, but I don't think they live there. I think it's like a, like a second place, like a secret yeah. place. And, um, he, the dude's like fucking like 400 pounds and he like falls down on top of her and she's like oh my god you're killing me and um she's like i'm not gonna do you and then he grabs like some freaking statue and he's like bitch i'll fucking kill you and she's like okay fine i'll do you and he's like oh you made me so happy i'm so excited (laughs) yeah he's offering up money and everything just to have a, a nice roll in the hay with her and uh doris she's a very benevolent person and she's gonna give up her body to the very spry Maurizio yep and she's like okay go ahead and so he tries apparently and um, can't figure out how to make the plumbing work and starts crying there's a little situation yeah, there's a little situation and she's like oh geez okay get off me it's okay it happens no it doesn't it doesn't oh, go and she's like i'm just gonna put my clothes take my money fuck your money i gotta go you know it's better and she's really nice yeah. about it. she's like it's better if we're never seen together again it's okay i won't tell anyone yeah. that your dick doesn't work no big deal Da-da-da-da-da. and so she leaves <clears throat> and then he gets his other girlfriend which i will right. take okay <laughs> I forgot about that. The blow up doll. He gets out of yes. his blow up doll and he's like, you're the only one who can make me finish. Oh, mom was right. I'll never be able to make it with a woman. And it's just like the most ridiculous shit. But then the faucets turn on. Yeah. Plus, I guess we I kind of glossed over the fact that he also got a mysterious phone call with no answer. Oh, yeah. I read when he got home with Doris. So all these little things are happening around him as he's carrying around his one true love the blow-up doll and makes you wonder what their what his honeymoon was like with Giselle yeah I don't think there was much of one <clears throat> still a virgin yeah so um so then uh Darth Vader comes in and kills him yeah another pretty cool gory kill here uh, but no more Maurizio so now this being Gisela's own husband the police are really keeping her feet to the flame trying to get her to recall anything that she can and uh, they happened to mention that they found an earring 
on one of the bodies. Uh, also, an earring that Carlo recognized but couldn't quite put a finger on when he saw it in the paper. So, uh, going back to sort of this jolly theme of people trying to remember something but not quite able to put a finger on it. This is one of those clues we get. And Pixie, Hot Pixie, remembers it and she can't figure it out. So she goes digging through some old photos. And if I jumped ahead, stop me, or we could come back. But then the phone starts ringing because she's in Amanda's office, apparently, or something like that. So she hides in a door and hears um, Amanda slash Gisela talking to some sort of blackmailer. And so she gets Uh the skivvy and then goes and her and Carlo talk about it. So Carlo decides he's going to go and take pictures of whoever she's meeting with. Ooh la la. Yep. Yeah, so we're think we're going to maybe wind down here and figure out who this killer really is because he wants Gisela to shut up and not say what she knows, uh, possibly being able to remember what this earring situation yeah. is all about. And uh, so she goes to meet the voice from the call, unaware that she's being photographed by Carlo, as well as also being tracked by some of the uh, detectives that she's been talking to. And uh, this is when the killer sneaks up behind her and stabs her. <gasps> Actually, first someone approached her, but then the killer came up from behind and stabbed her. So, so wait, no. It, this part gets a little weird because there's a bunch of people and you can't see who the fuck anybody is. So uh-huh. then um, the cops start coming and Carlo runs up to um, Gisela, who's dying. And Gisela almost acts like she thinks it was him who fucking just stabbed her you know right so he the cops come so he runs into the dark and the cops being the best detectives in the world stop at the edge of the shadow and go oh shit we lost him he he went to that (laughs) dark bit right there i can't see him yeah that one dark spot (laughs) then that grass is kind of long too so then carlo's running home and then a car starts chasing him and so he takes the film out of his camera and throws it in a trash can brilliant and um, gets run over by a car. Yeah. Action And uh, how many times have we seen this in a... In like in a every single film. one we've talked about, I think. Pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is something that just happens all the time. Um, yeah. You know, you have little tiny Fiats, you know, they're not going to really do a ton of damage maybe, but, um, you know, they could fit in all those little tiny cre- creeks and crevices and stuff in Italy, so yeah. it works out. They do make fun car chases. Oh, yeah, dude. Definitely. Going through those tight alleyways and yeah. stuff. So, um, Carlo's in the hospital, and um, he calls uh, Sexy Pixie and says, Hey, um, like I'm like in a concussion or something, and I'm seeing funny things, and things are weird. But go to this one trash can at this one place and get the film out and develop it. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, shit gets crazy. So then she goes and finds it, because apparently no one digs through trash cans in Italy. So um, she finds it without any problem. And um, (laughs) the one one trash can. can. Um, And then she goes and develops the film. But there's somebody else in the studio. So she calls Carlo. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a gun in there somewhere. Grab it. Then what happens, Eric? The light's cut. There's no more electricity, so she's carefully trying to make her way through the studio in the darkness, uh, carrying this pistol around. 
and, and trying to figure out how to bring back the power so she can see what's going on. But then suddenly the killer appears and all Carlo can do, unfortunately, is hear his poor, beautiful Pixie's screams on the other end of the phone line. So he runs out and gets down there and finds that the negatives have been burned and he's pissed. But then he's like, wait, this giant machine next to me is making a bunch of noise. There might be something inside of it. Let me check. And um, before shit went bad, um, Sexy Pixie Lady um, started developing one of the photos. And in that photo, he sees... He sees Stefano. Stefano. Who was, who was a male model that worked at Albatross. And... Uh, Apparently has a little thing with Doris, the girl that yep. poor Maurizio terrorized in the car. They did a lot of shoots together, and now it seems like they've got a little thing going on. Um, she's sitting at home watching some news reports on the latest murders, and just absolutely horrified that this is and all And this is really cool how knows. they do this, too. Because as she's yep, watching the, the news, opens. the door opens and Stefano comes in. And she's, like, freaking out, because, like, everyone they know and everyone they're working with is being killed... And so she's freaking panicking. Yes, and the fact that he was the one that was in the developed picture, everything's coming together here. Yep. And uh, they wanted us to think that we know exactly what's going on. However, even he even acts a little aggressive towards Super her. Super aggressive. And she's like, dude, I've done so many things that I would never do that I let you do to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's a great line. I think I actually wrote, that was like the only line I wrote down from this one. Nobody else would have asked these things oh of her. Oh my gosh, and she did it willingly. Because she right. loves Stefano. That's right, and we'll see this theme echoed somewhere at the very end of the Ooh, film. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but uh, And we could just imagine what horrible, dirty things that pig asked her to do. Um, but then all of a sudden, right. we hear water running. That's right, we think we know what's going on. We think Stefano is the killer, but now here's the water running again, and we see that black gloved yep. hand breaking into their house. So Stefano so goes to try to fucking fuck this motherfucker up, and then we don't hear anything, and we hear someone fall down, which makes Doris drop her drink. And so then <laughs> she walks out. By the way, she's got hips for days, in case anyone was curious. And so she walks out into the darkness to get jumped by the killer. And then she gets her titties sliced off or something like that. Yeah. Her titties don't, unfortunately, make it through the yeah. film. Neither does the rest yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah. So we've got two more people added to the body <clears throat> count. So when Carlo sees that Stefano was on the picture, he runs to Stefano's house. And what does he find there? A bunch of dead motherfuckers and sexy pixie laying there holding some sort of murder weapon. That's right. And going back to the beginning of the film we see that these bodies have had their genitals mutilated. So not just the man, but the woman as well. Um, yep. Just just a big bloody mess going on down there. But uh, yeah, he does find Sexy Pixie unconscious, yet still alive. So she hasn't been uh, mutilated, thankfully. And uh, he's able to kind of get her up and try to sneak away as they hear the cops arriving like we heard uh, coming towards Creep's house earlier tonight. <laughs> And uh, she's acting like she's kind of just uh, punch drunk a little bit. Uh, she doesn't really know quite what's going on. She 
tries to figure out why Stefano had kidnapped her. Or was it the killer that kidnapped her? But she... Uh, he's kind of explaining what's been going on with Stefano trying to blackmail Gisela and uh, that the killer attacked from behind to uh, keep this transaction from Hell happening. Hell yeah. And that they and that the killer oh yeah it was the killer was planning to use Magda to frame Magda into thinking or to having the police think it was her the whole yeah. time. So this is when she begins to recall the sound of the uh, tap or the water being gone, and uh, gets more of these flash cuts of the dead girl in the tub. So we're, we're, we're heading steadily towards because the because we're here. if you if you're keeping track, there isn't anyone left unless you're really remembering earlier in the movie because what's weird is they have all these people and then all of a sudden at one point like three people are never heard from again in the movie that's right yeah it kind of reminds me of some of those later slashers where they get just too convoluted and you can't keep track of the characters and then one ends up coming back as the killer especially if you have a couple that look very similar you know what I'm saying a lot of blonde girls and um, just so you know to keep track Anyone named Stefano so far in any of the movies we've done has been a red herring. A very good red herring. <laughs> That's right. That's very much so, so. Um, so then what happens, Eric? All right. Well, they are driving to an undisclosed location, and Carlo goes inside to investigate, and they find that this house is covered with medieval weaponry. Um, we've got the suit of armor swords, axes, things hanging on the wall, and uh, he's unaware that the killer has followed them there and is also inside this uh, little villa with them, and uh, he's quickly attacked and knocked over, and uh, however, the killer doesn't finish off the job. The killer instead runs outside to finish the job on our sexy pixie girl. So Carlo gives chase before being able to sneak up on and knock the killer down a flight of stairs, and um, at the bottom of the stairs... He takes the opportunity to unmask the killer and reveals Patrizia, a model what? at the agency and sister to the girl who died in the botched oh, abortion. All they had to do was find out who was related to that girl, and this whole movie wouldn't have happened. Oh, yeah, she had a sister. And I think I called the other girl Patrizia. You did. That was wrong of me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this girl is Patrizia. Yeah, she was um, one of the uh, girls from the very beginning of the film. And uh, the uh, the one that Carlo introduced us to will remain yeah. unnamed. It's the redheaded chick who, for some reason, yeah. wears a red wig at this one scene that's really cute and that doesn't wear it yeah. again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we get a little bit of the backstory on Patrizia, who only made a few short appearances. I think she was one of the girls that accompanied Maurizio to the strip club. Yep, and she was in the uh-huh. scene when the redheaded girl was wearing the short red wig when the cops were there. Yep. Yep. And so, as we reveal here, that uh, this she is the sister of the girl who died in that botched abortion, we also find out who the person was that was helping the doctor cover up the death. And who was that creep? Carlo. Uh, because it was so his Car- hands do have blood. Yeah, on. because Carlo was the one that knocked her up. Yep. Carlo is a freaking ass, and he's like the coolest guy that's been in any of the movies we've talked about so far. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> he's like seriously like he's the hero, and you want to like him, 
but he's such a dick and he does so much bad stuff you know and that takes us to the probably the best scene of the movie that's right now that we know what all carlo is capable of he is back home with his beautiful beautiful girlfriend and he uh, wants to put it in her butt <laughs> he's like <laughs> yeah. he's like hey baby roll over she's like what are you doing he's like just roll over and she's like oh my gosh what's going on and then he's like just kidding and then the credits roll he wasn't kidding yeah <laughs> if we know carlo like we think we know carlo he is not kidding he's like if i've learned anything in this adventure it's that i don't want to get you pregnant dun, dun. Yep. <laughs> so we're doing it in the butt for now on um that's right oh classic that's how the church teaches us anyway classic 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 stuff dude no so good yeah, a, uh, so go, kind of getting into the reviews of the film, a lot of them kind of seem to ride the fence or stay pretty safe, I think, in their descriptions, at least from what I was reading, saying it's not bad but not good, and that it's a fun ride but nothing redeeming uh, within it, and that it follows the Giallo formula to a T, which it does, um, but it doesn't really kind of bend any conventions or do anything outside of the ordinary that's really great. But um, upon first watch, I think I'm alongside you as saying this is definitely a rewatch, a definitely a fun film, and uh, one that I will be glad to show all my friends. <laughs> For sure, dude. And our good buddy <laughs> over at jalloscore.com um, gave this an 83, which is a very yes. respectable number. Um, he says it's entertaining, nothing groundbreaking here, but a fun time nonetheless. Yeah. And what more could you ask for in a film? Um, not a lot. Maybe more pubic hair? <laughs> that, that's going to be my <laughs> guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah. on IMDb, this thing only has a 5.6, and that just breaks my heart. Everyone tries to stay right in the middle with this bad boy. Yeah. yeah. It's a polarizing film, so it's you're going to have both sides pull it right down there into the middle, into the fives. Um, but... I think if if you're gonna enjoy Jello films, then you're gonna enjoy yeah. this one. If you're if you don't really like these kind of films, then this one's gonna be probably at the bottom of the. I basketball. swear to God, dude, this is just the weirdest thing about this movie is that this is the most likable, unlikable hero in any movie I've ever seen. Like I cannot yeah. think of another movie where the hero was such an ass. Like, just such a fucking piece of shit jerk. And you still like him. And, like, the thing is, like, um, I talk a lot about music in these films. And for the majority of this movie, I really don't... I don't get excited about the music on this one. It, it, it has songs that are cool, but for the most part, I it's not amazing. Like, the other movies have been that we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah, you, you won't hear too much from this score uh, when looking at retrospectives of Jolly films. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of a clip in our opening um, entrance theme of the show, but just a very tight, short oh, Tight clip. and short, baby. Um, <laughs> but it, you always know how to twist my words. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, the the Jello score this one gets is pretty apt, pretty fitting, 
Um, and it's nice to see it kind of get a bit of a higher score than Bay of Blood. Yeah. So we're redeeming ourselves for those people out there who don't think that we cover GLO films on here. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to name any names. Wow. Yep. You, you people getting catty out there. And for those of you who don't like hearing me on one side of your head and Eric on the other side of your head, um, uh oh, I dropped my headphones. Look at that. I'm going to try to fix that. I don't know what I did different that time that I didn't do the other times, but apparently there was something. Right? Yes. It's, it's okay. It's You're not a magician. Well, I should be. You know? Like, if I'm going <laughs> to come out and go, hey, I'm doing a podcast, I might as well know magic. You know? Come yeah. on. That's what most of it is, right? You just tap a wand and it all falls into tap place. Tap a wand, click a button... You know, have a helicopter fly by your house, things like that. You know, Jesus Christ, is it going to land on top of me? Anyway. Um, yeah, if you if you people think this podcast is long enough, this has actually gone on for about five hours now. We've actually cut out a lot of it, so. Oh, yeah. should be happy. Yeah. There was a part where Eric um, started counting the short curlies on one of the shots, and, I, and I'm like, okay, this is like going way too slow. We just got to cut that whole thing out. <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> I've just never seen so many. <laughs> then I will not tell you of a couple sites. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I, like, no shocker here. This movie is so much fun. I love it. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, fun thrill ride. A plus. Actually, I don't know if we give her. Yeah, but maybe we should yes. think of something. Watch yeah, it. watch it. It's it's awesome. If you seriously like, we could ruin that whole movie, and you could watch it and still have fun watching it. You know. Yeah. And God, if there was one thing I would just love to have is um, Edwidge. Me waking up to seeing her making me some French press, dude. Damn. <laughs> you do standing push-ups headstands yeah, dude. For her. i would turn around and do them yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah what's he looking at the wall yeah, for? right because you haven't seen nothing until you see a bunch of scrote covering half of my body gravity <laughs> taking yeah, its toll on me um <laughs> all right wow we should probably stop now but um so next time um we are going to watch did we agree on um black belly of the tarantula i think we All did right. black belly of the tarantula holla as opposed to other insects of the scorpion because I, I was thinking yeah. uh what is it the case of the scorpion's tail or the scorpion with two tails there's a scorpion yeah. somewhere out there with two tails. <clears throat> yeah, something like that. So um, next time we're going to do the black belly of the scorpion's two tails with a duckling. <laughs> yeah, the case of the scorpion's tail, which is not what we're doing. We're doing black belly of the tarantula, a 1971 film. So we're going back to kind of when this phase all started out again uh, with the director, Paulo Cavara. Paula. And... Yeah. It's going to be fun. There, there's some um, familiar faces that we're going to see. Of course. In that. The incest continues. Yep. And one of them is really scary. Like, really scary. <laughs> oh, like, no. seriously, like, it just kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, but wow. we're going to be trading our black gloves in for some gold ones. 
So That's it's right. gonna be some good times. And I'm getting excited for speaking of scores <gasps> for the Ennio Morricone score in this one. So get some classic Italian yeah. music. So um, yeah, but um, so oh yeah, um, feedback kind of stuff. If you guys want to say anything to us and let us know what you think of the movies or if um, we're perving out on Furburger too much or anything like that, um, we don't have anything legitimately set up, but you guys know how to get a hold of us. You could go onto the Jala Chow Chow page on Facebook and leave something. You could um, email either one of us, Creeperson at Gmail or 100 Years of Horror at Gmail, correct? I did it right that time. Um, Or you could um, (laughs) call the 5599 Creep Zero hotline kind of thing and leave a voicemail, and we will play it on the next show we do. We sure will. We know you've all got plenty of things to say about these great movies, so... Uh, and we're sick of hearing each other talk. We want to hear from you guys. I, I, I'm on the fence on that one, actually. But um, as long <laughs> as you guys have nice things to say. <laughs> That's right. That's if you guys are going to say mean things to yeah. Eric, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm too innocent for that. Oh, my gosh. This scotch is kicking my ass. Okay. <laughs> or is it the peppermint no, mocha? No, I killed the peppermint mocha mm-hmm. like at the very beginning of the show because I didn't want to mix those two. But they're mixing in my stomach right now, so that's not good either. Um, but anyway, so I guess, yeah, I guess um, here's the trailer for um, the Curse of the Black Bellies, Duckling, Scorpion's Tale of the Tarantula. Actually, Jade Scorpion. <laughs> All right, guys. Of the Crystal Plumage. <laughs> okay, thank you, guys, and we will see you next time. Shalom. Adios. Oh yeah, we have to go. Oh wait, let me ciao, go. ciao. That's right. Which country are we in? <laughs> ciao, ciao, everyone. Night. A time for quiet. A time for evil. Behind the door. Through the window. A time for terror. terror that leaves a tiny clue, a pattern of blood, repeated again and again and again. Don't make a move.
belly of the tarantula. A gothic tale of terror and death. Ah!